The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. You are listening to The Bird Calls on the Sports Drink Network. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome uh, to a pre-trade deadline, middle of a losing streak edition of the bird calls. I am David Grubb, and I'm joined by our usual panel, uh, Kevin Barrios, David Fisher, and editor-in-chief of thebirdrights.com, Mr. Ali Cosell. Gentlemen, as we are recording this, it's, it looks like the Pelicans will fall to their 10th consecutive loss on the road to the Dallas Mavericks. Um, we're not going to get into the game. What we're going to get into is just at this stage of the season, here we are seven days away, one week. From today, as we record on uh, Thursday night from the NBA trade deadline, February 9th. Um, is there, we'll start with Ali, I'll start with you since you're the boss. Is there a need at this point to make a trade in order to pursue success this season? Um, is it worth staying and trying to basically maintain what you have because of what's going on or do you start thinking about the long-term uh, future of this team uh, as you head into the trade deadline? I'll be honest with you. I thought I had the answer for most of the season, but up until like a week or two ago, I don't know. And with this loss of the Mavericks tonight, which has been probably rock bottom and you're hoping it's rock bottom. You really don't know, right? When is the team going to rebound? Is it going to take for Zion Williamson to get back in uniform? When are they going to get in rhythm BI back? When are they going to show force out there right on either end? Because we've been watching Luka Doncic go one-on-one against the Pels with no double teams that basically have, what, 10 drives in a row freely close to or if not to the rim. So no trade is going to save that. No trade is going to turn around that type of effort and lack of focus. So that's why I'm saying if you would ask, if we would have had this pod, say, two, three weeks ago when the losing streak kind of started, yeah. We could have talked about easily, right, the holes on this roster or what we were seeing, why suddenly they've dropped off. But now it's just morphed into something so much more that you've really got a question, like you kind of raised to me, David. Is it even worth making a trade at this point? Can you save this season? Should you try and save this season? Should you risk, as we were talking amongst ourselves, maybe breaking up what's still, I think, considered a good locker room dynamic, right, the chemistry? Because if you make a big move, you're going to obviously have to say goodbye to at least one, maybe two good key, you know, rotation guys that a lot of New Orleans fans have fallen in love with. So I don't think there's a right answer here, especially not now. And unfortunately, we're a week away from the deadline. So anybody's guess is as good as, you know, anybody else's. Kevin, um, it just, it's, it's, it's so hard now because you look at where they are. There are a number of factors that affect the thinking at this point. Not just the record itself, which now they'll, after this loss, they'll be under 500 for the first time this season. 
They're already in 10th. Um, they could go lower in the next couple of days or so while we're still waiting, next couple of weeks or so while we're still waiting for the return of Zion Williamson. If that's the case, again, what's the approach? Because there are only 31 games left in the season. And to get to 45 wins, this team would have to win 19 of those 31 games. Zion Williamson alone, I don't think, is is going to put you on that kind of corrective course. What do you do? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Um, I think it's a difficult situation. I mean, obviously, we know when Zion, you know, you don't have to explain that when Zion comes back, it's going to fix some things. But when you look at this team, one of the main problems is there's no offensive identity like right now, there's nothing like you can't figure out what they're trying to do offensively. Um, and again, defensively, you know, there's still no rim protection. Um, and like Ali said, you're watching this game tonight and Luke is eating everyone alive and he's still being covered in single coverage. You know, it's like Kobe's 81 game, you know, like uh, it, it's crazy and it doesn't make any sense. Um, I think that, I know you and I, for sure, I think everybody here has been pounding the table for four years saying what this team needs is a rim-protecting center and a a veteran point guard that doesn't necessarily have to play all the time but has to come in there in moments like this where there's no offensive identity identity to get creative and to create things and set people up. And it's just the same error over and over and over again. Obviously, having an incredible player like Zion creates – you know covers up a lot of that issues and you know having him and bi out at the same time for such a a long period of time was brutal and bi still hasn't gotten back to where he was before that injury so it's just looks like a mess out there but i still think that those are the main things that need to be fixed and you know you could go back from david griffin's tenure and his hits are as bad or as great as his misses are bad. And we, we deal with both of those constantly, you know, like I feel like, um, you know, I always said from the very beginning, they should have hired a coach like a Willie green type to come in with these young guys and develop a culture. And I think Willie green's been really great at that. And the idea was you come in, you have that guy and then you hope that he grows into a game managing tactician, that can be very creative and bring you to the next level. But if he doesn't, he's done the right thing and laid that foundation of culture and all of that. Um, And then you replace him with that tactician guy to take you to the next step. But we're like two years behind that because we, we wasted time with Alvin Gentry, who clearly wasn't a good head coach. Then we did the Stan Van Gundy experiment. And now we're like, in, in the middle of the, the second year with um, with Willie Green, and we still don't know if he's going to be that kind of guy. But with the timeline being skewed because of how dominant Zion is and how how much of a star Brandon Ingram is as well, then you add C.J. McCollum, you kind of like need to be in that third year where you're making that leap. And we looked like we were. Injuries came, we fell apart, and then but then you see like if you had that coach that was that tactician, he would be able to create interesting offenses that got the best out of the players that he have available because we do have good players still out there on the court. Um, Obviously there's glaring holes at 
defensive five and at point guard. Uh, but and then we have those net negatives that keep getting played, like Jackson Hayes and right. Devontae Graham. Uh, so there's all these issues. In my opinion, I think you fix for the long haul and not make a panic move because like what's the point in battling to get into the play-in or or the eighth seed when it's going to set you back in the future when you can really just fix those major holes and build around your core. Now, if you decide you need to do something because your stars can't stay on the court and radically reshape that way, that's another thing. I'm not ready for that at the moment, right. but you know, I understand that idea too, but I wouldn't make like a splash move. That's just going to fill in a gap and give up a bunch of assets, especially considering that we might fall out of, playoffs and be in the lottery and have a good draft pick to add to this team fish you know one of the things that that makes this now this trade market even more strange is because it was different when the pelicans were in the top five when you're in the position that they're in now like kevin said your thinking has to be different because i don't know how high you can climb in these standings based on what we would think is a reasonable, again, 31 games, a reasonable amount of losses for the Pelicans. If they, yeah. if, if they get to 41 wins, 42 wins, now that would be, you know, kind of, I mean, there's no way to 50. There's no path to 50 anymore. So anybody thinks no. that's on the table, stop it. You're trying to get no. to 42 now to have a winning season. If that's the case, in a seller's market, it's not a buyer's market because there are 13 teams in the West who are in it. There are 10, 11 teams in the East who are in it and they can't sell yet. So the premium players, the things that players that would make a difference, the cost is that much higher. Does it make any sense in a season where now if you're healthy, you could, you could possibly still win a first round series depending on matchup. If you're healthy and you get into playoffs, you can still steal a series. Does it make sense to give up assets for a season where now you know for certain, pretty much here, if you're if you're being realistic, this is not a finals team. So do you waste assets trying to chase something that can't happen this season? Um, that isn't how I would approach it. Um, and when we talk on specific trades, I think it's more that they need um, just atone for the sins of the past, man. That's that that would be my approach this this trade deadline, and that is to understand that like they should have moved on from Jackson Hayes and Devonte Graham sooner. Um, mm-hmm. I know we on this podcast were advocating that before the trade season opened in July, um, and I still think that's the case now. Um, I understand that they may have to spend something in the in in the course of assets to get off of the money that is owed to Devontae Graham. Um, But I think easier to get off of a contract now when there are teams who have decided we're not winning this year than in the summertime where everybody has some hope that, hey, we things could break right and we could we could win games. It's a lot harder, you know, to to get to use their cap space at that time. Um, or to make some kind of uneven trade, um, so that that's that would be the approach that that I made. Because there there are still teams that even though I mean there are teams ahead of the Pelicans that will probably sell. Um, 
or, do or they will have attempt to you, sell. Do they have what you want, though? Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like, what do you want from the yeah. Utah Jazz? You know, um, but the Utah Jazz, I think, are definitely in a position where, hey, if they, if they could get like any kind of like first round pick or a couple good second round picks, um, they're, you know, the store's open, the stuff's on the shelves. Come get it. Um, so, but we, we can talk about specific trades here in a little bit. But I don't think the big trade for like the biggest flashiest name that's out there on the market. I don't like think a CJ McCollum level deal is not on the table. I, I mean, people are going to sell me or try to sell us on, um, on OGN and OBB and that guy. I don't think, but I mean, would you, would, uh, any of you guys, would you put, I'm, oh, I don't think we would say as a player, the status of OGN and OBB, even if you're infatuated with him, it wouldn't be, in the league considered the same kind of move as picking up a, a borderline all-star like McCullough, would it? No. No, I mean, I'm a big OG fan. I'm not a big fan of, of giving up assets to add him to this team with like, when you look at the chemistry, you look at the assets. But I don't want to get too deep in on the details with the trade yet. We're not doing that, but, but I'm just saying. But I think, I, the level to, of to the answer move. your question, I do think he's like, I think he's like, the a hairline of a tier below a CJ McCollum because of what he does defensively and how skilled he can be offensively as well. Uh, obviously, CJ is one of the greatest one of the greatest scorers in the league, but OG is one of the best defend, wing defenders and versatile defenders in the league. They're very different, um, and defense isn't flashy, so you don't think of defense in that defensive players in that way unless they're having these like crazy shot blocks and stuff like these highlight reel kind of defensive plays but do you think i mean i mean ollie uh, let me say like yeah i mean look the chip it's not the same kind of chips on the table is it no because i mean look here's an example the athletic they posted something today they called it uh the nba trade deadline big board right so the top players Number one, OG Ananubi. Number two, Kyle Kuzma. Number three, Fred Van Fleet. Four, John Collins. Five, Bojan Bogdanovic. I mean, no. To answer your question, no. I don't think the type of players, the caliber, are necessarily out there, even just like what was last year. And apples to apples, you know, is CJ McCollum considered better than Kyle Kuzma and OJ Ananubi? Yeah, I think so, right? I mean, he's been a 20-point score for the last nine seasons. And while he's got his obvious deficiencies, he's a stalwart. He was somebody you were getting just for more than the point production, right, for the locker room presence. And we saw, right, for at least a while of how much benefit was derived from bringing him in. You can't say that about any of those five names I listed could be a game-changer in the locker room, could you? So, no. To no. answer your question, there doesn't seem might to be Might be a negative kind of- changer. Might be <laughs> negative. Like, I, I, I don't think that OG Novi's um, history um, would uh, suggest that he's going to come in and be a super huge positive. I, I mean, the other thing too yeah. is you look at, we gave up, Josh Hart was the best player that we had to give up to get CJ and and we gave up, what, one first round pick? Whereas you look at what the asking price is for OG where they're asking for, you know, two probably two of uh, Dyson, Trey, or Herb, and then multiple first round picks. So like, it doesn't make much sense asset management wise right now because Minnesota and, 
Atlanta screwed up the league with their crazy overpays for the players they added this offseason. It's it's just it's such an odd situation now because again at the beginning of January, all of these assets that the Pelicans have, the player assets, and like you said, Fish, even going back to the offseason, a guy like Jackson or a player like Devontae, their value was higher. It it's the same thing almost to me as repeating the Lonzo Ball mistake, in that you know you don't you have a future with this player. You're trying to force this, even though it's not working. And yet you've gone, you've gotten to the point now where you've made it so that whatever you get back is going to be less than what you should have gotten. And I think the Pelicans are going to end up getting less for Jackson Hayes, less for Devontae Graham, because now people have seen them for 50 plus games and they've seen for Jackson out of four years, no real improvement. So the mystery, at least before you had some level of mystery and you could say, He's really exciting as a tradable piece. Now you're forced to use those first round picks in ways maybe you didn't want to. Ollie? Yeah, I mean, I've got nothing to add to it because you completely nailed that. I, I mean, you have they, to. They should have done it earlier. But yeah. like I said, like now you just, I mean, you can just sit on it, but you like just atone for your sins, man. No, but the reason is you can't sit on it because Jackson Hayes, let's face it the likelihood of him getting a second contract with the Pelicans is near zero. But the fact that they're going to continue to operate as an over-the-cap team, you kind of want to turn his salary into something, right? Along right. with Devontae Graham, who you're trying to offload. So, right, you're playing with – and, and let's throw Garrett Temple in there. So you're playing with like $20 million worth or so of money that could tangibly go and help this team next season. But if you sit on it, then you're going to bypass that, right, if you don't take advantage before this summer. So – it is important to make a move now from that perspective alone. Well, then let's get into some potential moves. We know the players that are most mentioned. We know the teams that are most mentioned. Um, Fish, I will let you go first because I know this has been plaguing you for <laughs> nights upon nights upon <laughs> nights trying to figure out how to make the right deal. Uh, so my idea of the right deal, and I tweeted it out earlier um, because we're kind of just putting together tea leaves of the guys that might be moved. So Utah has pretty much said, hey, we'll take, you know, a good second round pick or like a pretty protected first for Malik Beasley. And Malik Beasley can shoot the ball. He's like Devontae Graham, except for he's taller and the ball goes in the hoop more. And, and a better defender. And if you told me that I could get that, I, I would get that. Um, the other part of this, th this part of the trade, because um, it's kind of like a two-parter trade, but it only works together, is um, so you're going to have to send, prob in, in my deal, you send like a, a lottery-protected first-round pick to Utah with Devontae Graham for Malik Beasley. Now, um, so I've already gone over the fact that Malik Beasley is an upgrade. The second half of it is if for whatever reason Malik Beasley does not work out, if it's just you get him in the locker room and you can't figure out how to get him minutes or, you know, his defensive limitations are such that you just can't find the minutes for him, his contract next year is a team option, which means the Pelicans are essentially paying a first round pick to have the possibility of Malik Beasley next year or 
the possibility of wiping off all of Devontae Graham's money and Malik Beasley's money. Um, so you have like a Beasley rental plus you have not necessarily the cap space, but the tax space that you would need um, next summer. The second half of this is the guy that I've been trying to trade for forever, which is Isaiah Hartenstein. He signed with the Knicks, um, but when the Knicks um, eventually get healthy and when Mitch Robinson comes back, um, Hartenstein projects to be their third center behind um, both Robinson and Sims, who's really broken out for them. So um, it would be Garrett Temple, who's just salary, uh, and Jackson Hayes, which is just another young big for them to maybe get a look at or not play like they do with Obi Toppin. Um, <laughs> and a second round pick for Isaiah Hartenstein, who's not really going to be in their rotation. Um, and so a lot of people are like, well, why would the Knicks do this? Well, the Knicks are scrubbing salary off of their books next summer because Hartenstein has a guaranteed deal next summer. And and um, Randall's deal comes back up again shortly, I believe. Yeah, but so so what I was trying to say is, uh, it's a couple things that it that they manufacture. They manufacture cap space because Hartenstein's deal is guaranteed next summer, and none of none of the money that they're coming that they're taking on extends beyond this year because Garrett Temple's contract is non-guaranteed and Jackson Hayes is a pending free agent. And you're the New York Knicks and they're having a pretty successful season and cap space or luxury tax room, depending on how they decide to use it, is way more valuable when you're the New York Knicks in their market than you are when you are the Pelicans. So that's why I think that they would do it. Um, Don't be trying to sell that shit. I'm going to say, as a former Knicks fan, <laughs> the cap room ain't worth nothing. That cap room yeah, but, means but they, nothing. They, they, they believe it. The media will tell you that it matters. Everybody believes it. So, 40 the years. Are... <laughs> Unused cap space is the cash considerations of the Knicks. There you go. So, but yeah, like, so, so that's, that's my sell on it. So essentially, the Pelicans ended up sending out Devontae Graham, Garrett Temple, Jackson Hayes, a heavily protected first-round pick, um, and a second-round pick from the Bulls. And what they get in return, which is essentially three guys that shouldn't be in the rotation whatsoever, is a wingish-sized player that can actually shoot. Um, Isaiah Hartenstein, who's a legitimate, he's an NBA big man, he can protect the rim. Um, and you get the op the option next summer that you cannot pick up Beasley's contract and um, and you can have the luxury tax space or you could pick up his option and you could trade him again. Um, and he would be an, ex he'd be an expiring contract at that point. Um, so, you know, somebody might see him as the missing piece. I could definitely see a team like say the Lakers who desperately need shooting saying, yeah, we'll fork over, you know, some kind of draft capital to take Malik Beasley off your hands. So that's the deal that I would do. Ali, um, we'll move to you. And uh, you have uh, the Toronto Raptors and the myriad Whoa. of players that folks have uh, decided the Pelicans should poach. Yeah, so I focused on OG and Anubi. 
right? Why not? It seems like most of the Pelicans fan base wants him, likes him. So let's have a look, right? Because he supposedly is the cream of this crop, of this deadline. So the, the trade I concocted is uh, the Pelicans obviously get him. Uh, they send Herb and Devontae Graham. You've got to send somebody to Toronto plus two first rounders. Which ones? It all depends, right, on who they're looking for. But I also involved the third team, right, to make salaries work because I also figured Masai, he's not going to want Jackson Hayes. So I'm sending Jackson to the Hornets. And the Hornets, they, they have a glut of centers, not enough athleticism. Maybe they'd be interested, right? Remember when we used to try and trade Jackson a year ago? Um, and even before then, I think, to the Charlotte Hornets, just because they need a player like him, right? So that's where he's ending up. And so Charlotte is sending Kai Jones, who I know is one of Charlie's favorites, to Toronto, a rim protector, a legitimate 6'11", right, type of center. So they've got Herb, Kai, a couple first-rounders. Masai might like that. And then Nick Richards comes to the Pelicans. And I'll tell you what, Nick isn't all that impressive, but when you start looking underneath the hood, he actually kind of is. He could maybe be a backup center for this team. I found out that he's considered the third best rim protector this season by something called relative defensive field goal percentage. Bismack Biombo number one, Jaron Jackson number two, Nick Richards number three, Walker Kessler number four. So he sounds like somebody that's kind of interesting. But again, he's behind Mason Plumley, Mark Williams, and Charlotte. And he's not even getting playing time now, right? Which doesn't make sense considering he was kind of effective. So you know, that's kind of the deal. It works. And here's the tricky part. When you're making a deal with Toronto, the Pelicans and Toronto are very both close to the uh, luxury tax line. And I guarantee you, neither team is going to look to go over it. See, that, that comes into play, and you've got to figure out a way to make salaries come awfully close to matching. So that's why I kind of came up with this one. What do you guys think? I like Nick I just, Richards. I always have. Um, I was interested in him in the draft. Uh, I think. It's weird, like, you know, because the I, his name's oh, Steve Clifford. I always, you know, he always reminds me of Boss Hog. But um, he just won't play young bigs. So it's just bizarre to me that he has, he does have, like, guys like Kai Jones and uh, and Nick Richards and uh, the guy from Duke uh, that are, that are all very athletic, rim-protecting bigs, and he just won't play them and develop them. So, like, you know moving them although it's really plumbly that's been in the rumors uh mostly but uh and maybe they're gonna get rid of plumbly so uh, to force him to play these young guys but yeah if we get come away with nick richards i like that i don't i mean like i said i love og i look at him as a guy who is also often injured um is you know better than than any of the like we have uh, Herb, we have Trey, we have Dyson. He's better than any of those three guys right now. I think Trey's ceiling it could be better than OG's, uh, but I think what he does to this team temporarily gives you a slight boost. But I don't think it really addresses the the fundamental problems with this team. So that's why I'm not that interested in adding him. Sure, if they added him, they're adding a very good basketball player that will help in the short term. I just don't think he elevates and fixes the fundamental problems of this team in the long term. I just want to hop in to say that the Pelicans have cut the Mavericks lead well for a very brief second to single digits, but then they gave it right back. So I do want to jump in on OG and Obi because 
uh, some of the some of the argument for trading a young guy or two is we can't pay everybody. So let's trade for a guy that's making eighteen million dollars and is only under contract for one more season after this. Like I don't I, I don't see how that is logic. Yeah. Um, and then the other the other part of OG and Yanobi um that is a little bit of of a weakness in 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 my opinion is um he's he's represented by an agency that oh, uh, sorry guys, hang on. No, 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 no. That's great because it's perfect. They hate clutch sports as much as we do. Well, it's not um, like Kevin was getting so, assaulted for a second. I was like, oh, damn. So, I mean, they're represented by, by by an agency that the Pelicans haven't necessarily had a very great relationship with. And you're you're going to be trading real assets for a guy that you're saying, as soon as you get here, essentially, we're already talking your next your next contract, right? I mean, because he's, he's up for a contract in a year. So as well, he's got technically here, a few more years, right? But it's a player option that he's going to. Yeah. Turn so down. so he's he's going to turn down unless he has some kind of catastrophic injury. And then the other part of that that Kevin touched on is like, why are we trading for a dude that isn't an Iron Man to go with our glut of dudes that you know can't get give you sixty games a year? Um, how does that solve anything? Um, so that that those are my you know concerns on the og front when he's healthy and he's out there i i love him as a player like i i really do i love like his ceiling i love the fact that i mean he can guard he could guard one through five like the pelicans could use him as like i don't know like a ferrari version of a robert covington back when robert covington was in his prime Mm -hmm. like that that could potentially be on the table but the thing is is that we have a history that he's not in the lineup all the time. And we have the, well, we can't pay everybody. So let's get a guy that's going to be an unrestricted free agent and costs a whole lot more rather than keep all these guys that at least we can, I mean, we can make them restricted and it'll be expensive, but we can keep them here. Like, yeah, let me add, we, we can make sure that they're going to stay. Yeah. Let me add one more fish. And this is something I said at the very beginning. I remember in our group chat, raising the point of the fact that he's supposedly been unhappy with his role in Toronto Toronto at least once. And now sounds like, sounds like maybe that's at play again. So you're coming here. You know the pecking order, Zion, B.I., C.J., and then the leftovers, which he would be at best fourth. How's that going to be any better of a situation for him if that's indeed a problem in Toronto? So yeah, that everything you said, I add that too. And trust me, I'm not on board with this either. And with this season kind of dwindling down to the point of where you have no championship aspirations, mm-hmm. right? Grub mentioned 50 wins is off the table. Usually you have to be a top three seed, right, to make it far, uh, to get to the finals. And that's looking like it's not a picture. So why not get that legitimate look at this entire roster that you intended to do earlier this year, but you haven't because of injury. So now truly evaluate all whatever, 10, 12 guys that you like and see which ones work, right? But trade away Devontae Graham so that Willie Green stops playing him. I said the 10 to 12 that we like. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just want to be very clear on my on my wants here. And it's not because like Devontae Graham's a bad person or any of that. Um, because I know that like some of some of the vitriol online gets unnecessary oh, and personal. Yeah. Um, he's just he's not a good fit on this roster. And we all see it and recognize it, and we shouldn't. We shouldn't shy away from that. 
Um, if, you know, Jose hadn't popped like he did and the Pelicans didn't trade for CJ McCollum, like the situation would be different. But it is what it is. And the Pelicans just do not have the capacity to deal with another small guard that needs minutes that also isn't like a big plus defensively and also has lost his shot in the Bermuda Triangle. And is also blocking Kyra, but maybe not after tonight. <laughs> also, Fish, don't compare players to Ferraris anymore. Let's please no, it. yeah, we no, no more. Oh Ferraris. Jesus! Oh man, he was my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Jamal, right? He liked that one. Yeah. So, Kevin, you're yep. up next. All right, so I, I made two trades. One of them's like really ho home kind of thing. I'll throw it out there real quick. It's just kind of uh, dumping Devontae for a useful big. Uh, it's Devontae and as many seconds as Toronto needs for uh, Chris Boucher, who's not amazing, but he's a big man who block shots, rebounds, can occasionally knock down a three. He's better than Willie Hernan Gomez. He's be- way better than Jackson Hayes. Uh, the contracts are basically similar except for Devontae last year is very small amount of guaranteed money. So that could be appealing to um, Toronto just to get rid of Boucher's contract for a couple of seconds or however many that takes. Um, Like I said, not splashy, but it it sort of helps in one glaring area of need. Um, Do anybody want to comment on that one real fast before I move to the more splashier one? No, I don't mind. I like that one. Um, I like his game a lot and he's a, he's a veteran. Like again, is it's not about his size, but it's about, I mean, look, he can do the things that you're not getting from Jackson Hayes. He can do Bingo. The, the screen. He can roll. He can finish at the rim. He can block shots. He can run the floor and he can attack the offensive glass. So if that's what you're getting, then yeah, that's an upgrade. And I'll take that. Yeah. Yeah. I tried to like make I a said, deal it's the biggest area of need too. Sorry, Ali, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I tried to make a deal involving both Boucher and Anubi. It just became way too, you know, too hard, basically. It didn't seem like there's no realistic scenario involved. That's why I like it, Kevin. Good job. Okay, yeah. And then the other one is a bit more splashy. Um, It's a three-way deal with the Pelicans, the Hawks, and the Suns. The the Pelicans come away with Clint Capella and Cam Payne. The Hawks get DeAndre Ayton and Jackson Hayes. The Suns get Willie Hernan Gomez, John Collins, Devontae Graham, a first from the Pels. Initially, when I did it, I gave two seconds from the Hawks, but I think probably those two seconds have to come from the Pelicans. Um, So what that does, it gives you a real legitimate defensive center that rebounds, sets screens, rim runs. I know there's, you know, worry about – fit with Zion and spacing, but I, I think you look at a lineup with Zion, uh, CJ, BI, Trey, and Clint Capella, and that could be something that's quite formidable uh, because Capella's rim running is fantastic. Uh, and then campaign, he's hurt right now, so you buy him cheap while you can, and then he fills that veteran break, uh, break glass and emergency point guard for when the offense finds these lulls or when these other guys are out and you don't have Zion's uh, gravity to feed everybody off of. So you have a guy that can legitimately create offense. Um, and then, you know, Monty, it's well-documented, Monty Williams and DeAndre Ayton's issues. Uh, the Hawks get a more defensive-minded center. I mean, a 
sorry, more offensive minded center who has a nice mid range game that could work well with a Kongu, which, you know, obviously if we could get a Kongu, that would be the ideal situation, but I don't think that's. I don't see the Hawks giving that up. Oh, I think we lost him really quick. I think he. Well, if we get Kevin back, then we'll let him finish that one. But um, but I'll, 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 I'll yeah. I can comment on it. Um, sure. So I, I like, I like the Capella fit with um the Pelicans because he gives you a lot of the things that Jonas does in terms of like he's a monster, like he is a rebound vacuum, and this team needs that. Um, but he gives you, he doesn't give you like the post offense. Like you can't just dump it into him and be like, man, we just, we need a bucket. Go get us a bucket. Can you just manufacture us two points? Um, that's not what you're going to do with Capella, but he does give them a lot of, you know, vertical threat in the pick and roll, which mm-hmm. this, this team sorely lacks because as much as, you know, Jackson Hayes provides highlights. Um, Jackson Hayes doesn't know how to properly set a screen and roll. He leaves uh, the screen before he touches the man. So, I mean, that just, it doesn't work. So, um, but Capella is a superb screen and roller. And Zion Williamson might be the only guy on the Pelicans I trust to throw an alley-oop. So you can see, in my mind, I see a whole lot of 4-5. I think Dyson um, can throw a lob. Um, I think he's just nervous right now. Like everything yeah. with Dyson just feels like he's a little nervous. Yeah. This Sorry, guys. Um, I don't know where no I cut off. I just realized that once I finished saying my spiel, nobody reacted. So <laughs> <laughs> I think we got you right at the end because you were rapping. And so we were we were just doing some analysis of it and our reactions to it. And and uh, Fish was wrapping up. Go ahead, Fish. Yeah. So like I, I, I like the idea of Capella. Um, I don't like Campaign's face. Like, I, I just don't like that. his face. Well, no one does, but... <laughs> but, you know, he's expiring next year, so you get him off a little bit earlier than Devontae, and he's only $6 million instead of 11.5. Yeah. All right, then I guess it's my turn. Um, it's real quick. The Pelicans have cut it to four with 50 seconds left. <laughs> yeah, how many minutes yeah. has Luca played since he got you know, hurt? Luka, yeah, I, I'm not... I'm not doing that. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not playing that game because <laughs> it's, it's the perfect storm, man. They kept fighting. They kept fighting because Luca left. Because Luca left. You know, like like it's. They showed who they were in the first half. That's the problem. You know, you had your opportunity. Yeah. You needed to show the energy in the first half. You had to come out. They knew that, and that's my problem. Is that they knew, you had to start well on the road. Uh, to give yourself a chance. And this is that's been the thing during this streak. And everybody's oh. like, it's w- one quarter. It's one. No, it's not one quarter. It's not one quarter. Because it's it been the fourth quarter. It's been the first quarter. It's been the second quarter. It's been stretches of every quarter. So, yeah, I mean, like, close losses, okay. You are fine. All yeah, right, B.I. just missed a midi attempt with, like, 23 seconds left. What's he shooting tonight again? Would have cut know? it to two. What's he shooting tonight? I mean, nine of well, 19. Well, that's his best performance so far. That, yeah. That, that's Only three turnovers too. That's and people got all over yes. me because I said the turnovers were bigger problem than the shooting. Given you know, the that, ball up, giving the ball up without the opportunity to offensive rebound. It is always worse than at least throwing it at the basket, man. Right. <laughs> so uh, I just said it he was turning it over too much. Okay. I went with a three team deal. 
it does not solve all the problems, but I went smaller scale in order to like, I, I think the deal helps for the playoffs um, this year. It does not bring any long-term money that's, that should be prohibitive. And it, I think it does show up in some areas by giving some maturity. So in my three team deal, the Pelicans send out Devonte Jacks and Garrett Temple to Detroit and get back Bogdanovich and Isaiah Livers. Um, Livers, you know, a second round pick, power like forward, Livers. Michigan guy, yeah, play with Franz yes. Wagner. Love him. I, you know, tough, does yep. the dirty work kind of guy, and the Pistons have a ton of guys up front. You know, a lot of power forward center types, all in that six eight, six eleven range. So I think they could give one up. Um, and then as I'm sending Kyra to Toronto and getting back Thad Young. Mm, now, whatever, if I'm pairing Kyra with maybe a second round pick or whatever um, or something, but I'm getting Thad Young back for the playoffs. He's at $8 million. I need a veteran that can score in the post if Zion's not on the floor. Um, and, if, and if Jonas doesn't have it going, a guy who's not going to give me problems defensively, who can who can defend you know who can defend multiple positions, who's who can sit and not bitch and moan. So you know I think you you, and it, and he comes off the books again. You can you can either move him in the off season for a relatively uh, you know small price, or you can hold on to him and you've got still got a veteran presence in your front court for another year. I like it. I really like the Thad Young part um, because I love him. Um, you didn't mm-hmm. mention the fact that that dude can pass. Yes, he can. Like he could, he could really distribute the ball. Um, he would be a great. He he would be somebody that I could really see like mind melding with Herb Jones and helping Herb Jones unlock like his ability to cut and see when his man has turned his head. Um, and I mean, Bad Young's similar size to. Um, Larry Nance, mm-hmm. um, but I think of Thad Young as being bigger. Yes, um, he is. And like he plays bigger. He's beefier um, for sure. He's stronger. He's thicker, but, yeah. but but at the same time, like you could play, you could play both of those guys together. You could play mm-hmm. either one of them with Zion. You could get weird and, and play all three you know, of them as the front court. Um, you you could play either of those guys with with Jonas like it, it gives you a lot like I like I hadn't even thought of that young and now I'm like completely on board I know Bogdanovich is the thing that everybody's going to jump on but like that young as your fourth big around these guys I love it I'm 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 head over heels for it Ollie did we lose Ollie it looks like it no I see his. he's probably yeah. muted yeah. as usual yes Ollie yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah, hold on a second. I'm dealing with my dogs. Hold on. <laughs> Good cameos tonight. Well, I mean, Yo, I, I think I, the reason I, yeah, I like the deal. Pelicans the cut deal. it to three. <laughs> <laughs> just gonna, I'm just going to keep on chipping it in. The, the Mavs have the ball. They're looking for a miracle in the last six seconds. But and I mean, I really do think, though, that that deal, it, it, it you know, for, you go into the postseason, you've got shooting out of Bogdanovich. And he, he is also a hell of a passer, as we know, is great to pick and roll. We've seen him destroy, you know, he, he can, he's shooting the ball fantastically this season. And he can also move without the basketball, which is something that the Pelicans don't do well. 
And then I said, like, if up front you get two active guys who are going to help on the offensive glass, and like you said, add passing, um, they are not – you don't have to do stuff for them. Thad can hit that mid-range jump shot. He's expanded to the three on occasion. You're not asking for a lot of them, but he can do it if you have to – if you ask him, and he's still producing – at his at, at at you know at his age, he's still producing quality numbers. So and you you'd be asking maybe ten to twelve minutes a night out of him. So like yeah, I, th- I think it, it between if you get him and Livers together, that makes your front court a lot better because Hayes Temple and you're not playing Billy. I think that they all give you the they, those two guys approximate that and give you more. I'm yeah, I mean, I really like Livers. I really like that young. Um, I'm not like I like Bojan. I'm not as high on adding him as other people are, but I'm not going to be mad at it. Like I understand, you know, the need for shooting, and he does more than just shoot too because he has he is a playmaker. Um, so yeah, I'd be happy with that trade as well. Plus, I mean, I think all of our trades had a very similar theme, and that addition by subtraction, just by getting certain guys off the team, this team gets better. Yeah, I think you have to weed out some of this. And the only way you do that is not by – we have to remember the Pelicans still have a first-round draft pick this year, you know, one way or another. I don't think that they're going to um, give it up completely unless there's a major deal. But you still have players to, to to pay coming down the road. The back end of your roster is supposed to be vets who can contribute. And I think that's what you get. And if you're getting rid of the younger players who aren't contributing, and that's what Jackson Hayes is, is a sunken cost at this stage. And Kyra, unfortunately, as much as I like his game, it just doesn't seem that his timetable, you know, makes sense anymore. Because you, the biggest thing I think we're learning now from this season is you're not counting on a decade of Zion Williamson. You know, the NBA alone, we don't see teams staying that long. But physically speaking, we already knew he was probably a 12, you know, to 15 year peak of an NBA player. Well, if that's the case, you got to try to win that championship now. And I think that's what you've learned out of the Pelicans is that you still can't wait for all these kids to grow up. This team has to be more mature because they're still, I think the youth is another one of those things that contributes to these major lulls. Guys. I agree. Like you're just, you're just preaching at that point, man. Uh, do you want to amen? Because I can give it to you. <laughs> I don't feel like I'm speaking into the cavernous abyss. So I just want to make sure. Um, but, you know, where do we feel? I mean, ultimately now, you know. this It game just sucks, game. man. The team sucks right now. I don't know what's wrong with them. Like, it sucks talking about them. Like, it sucks watching them. Like, I loved this team. Like, I loved this team. Like, the first two and a half months of this season were freaking incredible. And Zion's throwing freaking windmill dunks at the end of the Phoenix game. And in the span of like three weeks, it's just like the wheels are completely off the rails. The team just feels like, like they don't like, I know those guys love basketball. I don't feel like they love playing basketball with with each other anymore. Um, And like, like, I don't even know how you fix that between with a trade deadline or an all-star break. I don't know. Um, but I mean, yeah, they but when have... you think about this, when you, when you're 23 and 12 and then suddenly you lose a whole bunch of games, it's going to impact, right? Not maybe you necessarily your love of playing with one another, just playing in general, I would think. Right. I think they all yeah. really genuinely like each other. They still act like friends all the time. 
Oh no, I'm not saying that they don't like each other. I'm saying like when you watch them on the court, like there there used to be like genuine, like you could feel and see the joy of them playing together, and it's gone. The ball had energy, and it doesn't now. Yeah, and I don't know how I I like like a coach can say like we got to play with joy, and we got to like let the ball have energy, and it's going to find you know the open man and etc. And you can say all of those things, but like it all feels forced and it just sucks right now. Um, and like a lot of what I think we're seeing on Twitter and stuff like that is just, man, it sucks for the fans right now too. Uh, it really does. Cause like we, everybody wants this team to win. And there's a lot of dudes that like, we just like, I love these guys. Like I love rooting for a lot of these guys Yeah, and it's not, it's not happening. And the last podcast we we recorded, we were talking about Western Conference Finals and fifty wins. Yep, and that was like three weeks ago. That, yeah. That's all I got, man. Like they're breaking my heart. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that 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 part because I think people think that that we take some type of sick perverse joy when <laughs> the Pelicans are bad, and I don't think that that people understand how far from the truth that is. A, when you're a journalist and you have to do this, like Ollie and I, when you have to write day in and day out about losses, that is not fun. There are only so many ways you can write about losing. Like it's, it, it, it sucks. You never get tired of writing about a winning streak. It gets old real quick, writing about losing. You hate it. You hate going to games when you're in the media and the team is losing because nobody wants to talk to you. Nobody wants to deal with you. The energy is bad. Mm-hmm. We don't enjoy it when the team is losing. And, and I don't I don't recall a single person on this out of the four of us before this season being negative about mm-hmm. the team. I think every one of us walked in and said, at the very least, this is a team that should win a first round series, advance to the second round, push somebody, and maybe they, they have a shot at getting to the conference finals. That was pretty much unanimous. So being realistic and saying, right now, I don't know where this ends, to me, is not abandoning the team. It's not crying. It's not being negative. What it is, is it's the evidence that you have in front of you. And right now, I don't know where you would find some evidence to make you say, tomorrow's the game that they're going to win. I I can't feel that confident when you look at the schedule, guys, I'll just be real like this. What do you think is the next time that the Pelicans will be favored to win a game? When you talk about the Lakers coming in this weekend and then after that, yeah, I mean the Hawks, maybe, maybe. I don't think so. You're not going to be favored against the Kings. You're not going to be favored against the Hawks. You're not going to be favored against the, the, the Cavs. You're I'm not going to say this. I'm, I'm just going to jump on it. I, I just want to jump really quick. Mm-hmm. If they come out and they do like they get ahead and the Smoothie King Center gets hopping and they're ahead of the Lakers, I do believe that this team is completely capable of just hopping on the energy of the fan in its victory and the fact that Brandon Ingram loves beating the Lakers. Um, and if that's what needs to happen, it will bring me. It will bring me just so much happiness 
this week. The other, the only, the, there, there is a big issue with this too. Is that the that game is happening the same night as Crew de Vu. So with the yeah. team being bad and Crew de Vu happening, you might see a lot of Lakers fans in the crowd instead of Pelicans fans. Yeah, because what was it? They had like ten sellouts in their first eighteen home games, or yeah. something like that. It's and not now local fans aren't going to be coming until they start lost winning. Lost five again. in a row at home, and it's the Lakers on a Saturday night during Mardi Gras. Yeah, yeah, it's not going to be. A, I mean, look, the last time we were in the Smoothie King Center, the Upper Bowl, it was already starting to get to the point where the Upper Bowl seats were getting empty before the. Yeah, game I mean, I think it's going to be sold out, but I just don't think it's going to be like full of Pelicans fans like no. it would have been. And I mean, and plus it's a lot of people who are coming to see LeBron get closer. And, yeah. and that, that, that is going to change things. And I think, and right now the way New Orleanians are and the way Pelicans fans are, this is not a negative again. They don't respect bad effort. So if the Pelicans come out and start putting out a bad effort early, um, the crowd will let them know. Now, if they turn it around again, it's a forgiving crowd, and they'll get behind them. But they want to see the effort, the effort match their their compassion, their caring for the team, and that's that's I think that's been what's so problematic too as observers is that it doesn't feel like they're willing to do whatever, quote unquote, on the court to win a game. Nothing so, crazy, but just so that. I was going to say, so you, what you're saying is uh, the fans keep the energy that the team has. <laughs> <laughs> There's no sugarcoating it. That's 15 losses in the last 18 games. I mean, that's almost a quarter of the season, right? I don't know. That's like, that's like. I mean, I don't even think like the worst teams in the league like had a stretch that bad. We've talked. I mean, I sent. I think I sent in the group chat today. Yeah, the, the longest losing streaks in the league, and the Pelicans now are in sole possession of the second longest losing streak this season. Every other team that's on that list is a team that is going to the lottery. Every other team on that list is going to the lottery. So, good teams don't do this. Mm-mm. That's the thing. Good teams don't do this. They don't lose ten in a row. As bad as the Lakers were when they were, they didn't lose ten in a row. They didn't get to seven. You know, what I mean, like so. It, that's that's the part. It's like you're you're losing more games in a row than the Magic. You're losing more games in a row than the Hornets. You're losing, and you're saying it's because Zion and Bi are out. But these teams were playing without Lamelo Ball, and they they have you know less talent, or they're playing without this guy. And they have all of them aggregate the teams that we're talking about have less talent. And yet none of them have had a losing streak this long. Something is broken beyond being injured. That's that it's that simple. Well, right. Mike D'Antoni's not earning his money as an offensive consultant. He is now. not. He is not. This is not point five. It is see, not Charlie, I I can see Charlie sending the the GIF. I can see it. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Guys, I think we've beaten this one into the ground now. Um, it's depressing. It's sad. Um, but we remain optimistic. There's still, again, 31 games to play. Anything can happen. Um, but expectations change. We will be back, certainly, if a move gets made before the deadline. And we will be definitely be back um, after the deadline to analyze what the Pelicans did or did not do. 
Uh, any final words, Kevin? Uh, pack your bags, Jackson. Please, please. I can't wait for him to be off my team. Fish. Man, please just freaking beat the Lakers. Please. Please. <laughs> please. If you could get one win in the month of February, that's the one. That's the one. Home yep. against the Lakers. Got to have it. It's Ollie. the Falcons game. And Grub, you're always so spot on with your math. I know how smart you are. You just said there's 31 games left, but this losing streak has even fried your brand, dude. There's 29 games left. 29. They're, 20, okay, they're 26 and 27. Yep. Okay. Now it's 29. Yeah, you're right. So 29 <laughs> games. So that, that, again, to get to 41 wins, they got to go 15 and 14 at this stage. I, I don't know if they can do that. I don't know if they can go 15 to 14. Because this month alone has, what, 10 more games? And Zion won't be back till after the All-Star break? Most likely, yeah. So you figure if they go this month four and six? Maybe. You hope. And there's going to be a riot. Let's face it. They finish at 500. I know it's a five-game improvement over last year. But, look, people are not going to be happy with 41 and 41 and a play-in. Which if they end probably- up in the play-in again, yeah, it's 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 not going to be pretty. Nobody's going to care about the injuries or whatever. It's going to look like and – and like you said, around the league. And I think that's the thing is we're going to have to hear the shit again from around the league. <laughs> that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Um until then, uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, we, I'm glad we left you on such a high note. I hope that you do not go and drink any. Um, I'm going to jump on. Whoa, whoa. I'm going to give us a high note, man. You know what the last 18 games have taught us? That Zion Williamson is a freaking MVP candidate. Because if you take him off this team and it's this ass, and he was on the team and it was that good, if anybody needs to make a case for being an MVP or an all-NBA player or whatever, Zion Williamson and the Pelicans have just made it for Zion Williamson being this god-awful the moment that he disappears. Bro, you gotta Zion Williamson is awesome. <laughs> Zion, please. Please, Zion. Please, brother. Whatever you got. If, if, if it's like in the Little Giants, if somebody is at home rubbing milk into your, your hamstrings, you know, every night, whatever it takes, brother, whatever, <laughs> whatever you need, you know, call somebody. I don't know if I can't help you with much, man. But if you need something, <laughs> we'll do something. We'll do whatever we need to do to get you back on the court. Bro. This, this team certainly needs you um, until the next time for David Fisher, for Kevin Berrios, Ali Cosell and myself. This has been. The bird calls, and in the words of our friend Preston Ellis, please let's go, pals. <laughs>for listening to the bird calls on the armchair all-american network if you like what you're hearing please take a moment to rate us on itunes retweet share with your friends and most importantly subscribe today